Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along. Things you should know before we start the show. Things you should know just in general in life. Do not host a sports radio show when you are driving. Well, okay, I'm doing that. And number two, never let the coach that kills the player to coach your team again. That would be Maryland snafu. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. We're happy to have Syracuse alum and alumnus of a team that has both the women's basketball team, the men's basketball team, and the football team all in the top 15. One of only two teams in the nation to have that as of last week. And Seth Kamen's alumnus of Maryland where the coach killed the player. Do you expect a response? I don't know what I expect to that, but 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 for the first time in a very long time, look, I'm proud of my football team. I have it. Uh, we first of all, just, oh, awesome. So first of all, we hadn't been ranked in so long, and then even more than that, we are now not only ranked, but we're in the top 15, baby. I mean, that's a big deal for Syracuse as far as what you're going through. Well, once again, it shows that certain people are completely out of touch with how students and the rest of the world work. That would be a word of reason. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, An embarrassing performance. Um, A silly, absolutely ridiculous performance. almost no words to describe how how they could have been this far off on this. And whether it's because their demographic doesn't see it, whether, but even just on an extraordinarily high level, Durkin, DJ Durkin, who was the coach of Maryland for a couple of years and, whose obvious strength, in addition to coaching defense, was his recruiting. He was recruiting two, I think it was three top 25 um, classes back-to-back-to-back, where Maryland was working itself towards relevance. Um, They were 5-3 and in a weird year, beating a top-10 team in Texas pretty convincingly. Um, You know, they're not not beating Penn State or Michigan or Michigan State, but – you know, we're working, we were hoping towards a pinstripe bowl potentially with Syracuse, which would have been fun for us to go to. Um, to the shock of pretty much everybody, you know, D.J. Durkin was reinstated. Jordan McNair, the four-star offensive lineman, dies in June, July. Uh, something that could have been salvaged, and that's a bad way to put it. Um, he could have been saved. Now, the strength and conditioning coach was a, was a disaster, the everything that was surrounding us was a disaster. What I kept going back to was twofold. Number one, 
It is his team. I don't want to hear excuses that he wasn't there. I don't, just like when I have a client and they're not happy with one of my staff and they leave. They're not leaving my staff. I'm the one who's getting fired. And, you know, it's my responsibility to have the staff to be able to make sure that my clients are happy. It is his responsibility to have the staff, to have a capable staff around him. He had worked for Urban Meyer. He had worked for Jim Harbaugh. I don't want to hear he didn't know. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. The kid's dead. Number two, even if perchance you could keep your job, when your strength is being a recruiter, how exactly are you ever going to recruit anybody to your university again? When all somebody, forgetting it against Ohio, you know, recruiting against Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, guy from Rutgers goes, you know, he says that he wants, you know, that he cares and he wants his family, you know, he takes care of these kids. Kid died under him. How exactly do you respond to that? Where is your, where can you go from there? You can't go anywhere. There is no way that he could have coached the team going, he could have led this team going forward. Now, the rationale behind it being, okay, they didn't want to buy him out, they're still in debt, they're not paid a full contract with the Big Ten for another two years, yada, 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 yada. He was responsible for the death of one of his players. That is the end of this conversation. Well, Seth, I go even further. I go even further in the, in the fact that, yeah, he's responsible, but I don't want to hear about buyouts. Like, buyouts make no sense to me because buyouts happen, A, all the time. B, I'm sure you could find a booster that would buy this guy out without any problem whatsoever. And C, more importantly, you are employing basically a guy that is, how do I say this, red hot. Right and red hot in a bad way. Like you can't touch him. And what's the word that I'm looking for? It's uh, not red. It's not red hot. It's uh, it's kryptonite. Right? He's kryptonite. You can't go anywhere near this guy. Employing him as the coach, you're reinstating him. Look, if you wanted to reinstate him as an added administrative role, I'd still have a problem with it. But I'd understand it because that way you can get out from this buyout, certainly. But as a head football coach, as any football coach, is is his career over? Because we did say that about one Greg Williams, and this week somehow he got to be a head coach of an NFL football team <laughs> again four years later. So, I mean, stranger things have happened. But I think as a college coach – Look, this isn't Kelvin Sampson. This isn't recruiting violations. This is life. I mean, I mean, you ask all the time, is this life or death? Yes, that's exactly what it was. It, does, does he coach again, in your opinion, anywhere at any level? Not as a head coach. I think a couple years, I think he'll end up, yeah, he'll get a coaching job somewhere, somehow, again. Um, 
I don't think he'll ever be able to be a head coach, but he'll be brought in somewhere as a defensive as a defensive person. I think time he does heal all these things. I'm not saying it should. I'm saying it does. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he will. From from the very, very bad, and that really was very, very bad, to the very, very good, in that, A, you know what? Maryland may still play Syracuse in the pinstripe ball. And, B, Syracuse is ranked in football in the top 15. The last time that happened, I graduated law school 17 years ago. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm old. That's old. And yet, Syracuse is back. You know what? We're not on top. Or where we need to be. And that is props to Dino Babers. But let me ask you this, that is the Maryland coach now, who I believe is the interim, he's the offensive coordinator, is he the long-term guy or will they be looking elsewhere? He's done no, a commendable job with the program. He's done, he's done a very commendable job with the program. Yes. Um, but he's not going to be the answer. Um, we've seen too many times where Clay Helton, the USC, is a good example, where someone who came in, you know, for an inter- on an interim basis for two games, three games, four games, and did a good job and got a contract they probably shouldn't have and are now suffering for it. Um, I, I don't – I think he will get a chance to interview, and I think that's completely fair. But number – one, I think they probably want to get rid of everybody associated with this, even though he had nothing to do with it. He was only brought in this year. Um, number two, you know, the team has done well. They're five and four now, which is serviceable. They have they still have Penn State and Ohio State, and I think they have one winnable game, so they'll be six. They could probably go six and six, which would be which would be pretty good considering this what this season has been. So. To me, I, I, w- I would interview him. I would give him a serious look, but I, I, don't think, I don't think it makes sense when it's all said and done. I think they go elsewhere. Okay, that's fair. So we have our NCAA preview. We'll get to that in a, in a couple of minutes. Um, yep. The good part is Seth and I should both be happy this year in that both of our teams are legitimate I wouldn't, well, some people call us contenders. Uh, I call us dark horses, but uh, we're both legitimately there. But let's talk about possibly the top four, well, three of the top four teams were in action yesterday in the NFL late night. You had the Rams playing the Saints in a shootout of epic proportions and the Saints taking down the Rams. And then you had probably, well, not probably, it will be, the only time that uh, Aaron Rodgers will ever step foot, at least playing-wise, on the field at uh, Foxborough, Gillette Stadium, a little bit of a, um, I don't know, the, the, the hype held up for the first game, not so much the second. Yeah, um... It's interesting when you look at Aaron. I mean, first of all, the Rams-Saints game was just a blast. I saw the second half of it. 
neither defense, you know, as, it's funny, though, as much as the Rams have spent for, you know, trading and signing between Aaron Donald and trading for Marcus Peters, who's been, who got burned by Michael Thomas like a redheaded stepchild, and, and, and Aqib Tlaib, that Rams defense is, 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 the, is, is the problem. Um, you know, great coordinator in Wade Phillips, but they have not, you know, the offense has been able to continuously bail them out, which is fine because it's the best defense in the league, but at some point you're going to face a team, whether it's Carolina who's playing very well or it's uh, New Orleans or if Minnesota goes on a run, um, which I'm still not sold on. The defense is going to have to step up, and they haven't had to, and they certainly didn't yesterday. New Orleans, the same thing. New Orleans was great offensively. And between Kamara and Thomas and Breeze and Ingram, and you just keep going. But somewhere somewhere along the line, you know, last year they made a big run. And, look, they should have probably gone to the conference championship. Stands the Diggs, the Diggs miracle catch at the end and could very well have beaten Philly. The defense hasn't been that good this year. And when you're up 7-18 at home, you know, that, that's when you step on the throat. You don't let them back in. Great game. Lots of fun. Can't wait. Hope they get to play it again in January. Um, as for New England, Green Bay. You'd like to. Sorry, please. No, I was going to say, if you'd like to call in 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. Okay, so uh, Brady versus Rodgers. Michael Jordan gets into it. Both the quarterbacks get into it as this is the game for the GOAT, for the greatest of all time. Didn't live up to the hype. Not at all. Actually, not at all. It didn't. Brady became both play, both quarterbacks threw for under 300 yards. Not exactly the most exciting game. Uh, I went to bed at halftime. I caught up on it this morning. <laughs> it was, I thought it was a more fun game than that. The problem is... You know, Rodgers has had a very has had a, almost a better surround you know a comparable surrounding players over the years. And has won one championship as great as he is. Brady's won six or five. Um, tougher conference, yes. Um, you know, a bit, little bit unlucky on certain things, yeah. But you know, as great as Rodgers is, Rodgers is a bona fide Hall of Famer. Top, he's not Brady. And Green Bay is not New England. You know, New England puts Cordell Patterson in for, as a running back. He run, he's fantastic. Green Bay hasn't had a running back since, geez, Mon Green? Yeah. You know, Green Bay is a mediocre team in, in the NFC Central. New England, for the last 15 years, has been one of the top three teams in the AFC. No real comparison. But, uh, decent game, but nothing nothing spectacular. Look, I look at that game, and once again, a testament to Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels for being able, being able to put Cordell Patterson in a place where he, he can succeed. Let's remember what Cordell Patterson is, or was, before actually the last couple of weeks. He was a punt returner that masqueraded as a wide receiver. And for the last couple of weeks, he's been grounded pound into the running back game. I'll tell you one thing. How do you solve 
a wide receiver that can't catch the ball? I think Belichick found out. You hand it off to him. It works. You can't drop a handoff, or at least you shouldn't drop a handoff, and it worked out great. I, they may have found a, 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 a new way. Look, if you look around the league, there have certainly been verted wide receivers becoming running backs. Austin Eckler, Tyron Montgomery, uh, Ty Montgomery. Now, granted, he was traded to Baltimore after he came out uh, a little bit. Not came out. He came out of the end zone. <laughs> um, sorry. Got got to look. We live in the PC world. Um, but somehow, anything Belichick touches, and look, I am the one that cannot stand this team more than anything else. And maybe that's why I went to bed, because I kept seeing another way that the Patriots can win games. They kept getting pressure on on Rodgers. And truth be told, the only way anybody has ever stopped Tom Brady in any game is to get pressure on him. It's the only way. And the Packers did none of that last night. And one of the best comments I have heard, I'm paraphrasing again, is Rodney Harrison on the – on the pregame show for the Sunday night game where oh, it must, I think it was actually at halftime where they're, they're rolling back the tape and they're talking about the saints and, and the Rams. He goes, Marcus Peters has been terrible. I was like, huh. okay, well, that's nice. Somebody taking him to task. Let's remember Marcus Peters was brought on to be a number one cornerback and he has been terrible. He's missed tackles. He's been looking in the backfield. You don't need to you don't need to watch a whole lot of tape to know that. Because Michael Thomas got so far behind him that there was like six people between him and, and Marcus Peters by the time the the touchdown ended. What did you think of the Joe Horn celebratory celebration? I, I thought it was fine. Like I'm so I almost think I'd be hypocritical to really judge it at this point. Like, there's so many worse ones that have come out. Although I do find that Joe Horn, was, his response was so, that he was like, he was in tears because he was so touched by it. I found that a little bit um, nuts, to be honest. But All right. So, so here's why whatever. I have a problem with it. Here's why I have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with the actual celebration, except for the yardage that it cost them. Because that could have been – look, they picked up the ball, the the Rams did, got the ball at the 50-yard line. Now, they were down 10, and there was about four minutes to go. But it was it's basically a touchback or the 50-yard line with four minutes to go. I think there's yep. a time and a place for something like that, too. And I'm not sure Michael Thomas understood time and place with regards to that. Um, I don't have a problem with the celebration. Who cares? I mean, man, he found a flip phone. I don't know where you find those anymore. So props to him for going to a pawn shop and finding a flip, two flip phones. By the way, did you know he had one at each end zone? Yeah, I did. Uh, okay, and he got well, he had to go to a pawn shop to he had to go to a pawn shop to find flip phones, which I found was awesome. So, okay, well. Let's get back on track. Your Giants won this week. Congratulations. They beat the bye. Thank you. Well done. Okay. Well yeah. done. My, my, my Jets again lost. 
And the fact is, I never would have thought that both of these teams would be hunting for the number one pick. But the Jets look horrendous. The Giants look horrendous. The Raiders look like they're not even a team anymore. But they have a ton of first-round picks. So goody for them. They got three of those. And Amari Cooper is uh, supposedly in talks for a contract extension. And the first place Washington Redskins just lost two-fifths, 40% of their offensive line today for the, for the year. So there will be plenty to talk about in the upcoming weeks when it comes time to the NFL. But today's topic is one of great importance to Seth in that we are talking about the NCAA tournament and his, and his predictions. Look, my predictions, don't listen to them. I mean, I'm going to, I know who I'm going to pick. It ain't going to be very good. And it's probably going to be four. Well, no, I actually have four upset teams really in the final four this year. Well, one, three upset teams. So maybe I'll be a little bit more right. But at the end of the day, this is Seth's show. So Seth, take it away. Wait, this is my show? This is our show. Well, I actually have to get off because yeah, I have to get the on end. the road. Oh, okay. So get down to I the need three or, I'm going to get off I'll now. Do. I need three or four minutes, and then I'll call back in from the road. Good. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So what I thought was going to be Seth's show is not necessarily Seth's show. Okay. So I'm going to take this five-minute uh, leave of Seth at the mid-hour point, mid-half-hour point to extol upon you, all our listeners, if you're listening on Monday night, tomorrow in the United States is Election Day. I was going to save this for the last five minutes. With Seth having to go, it made perfect sense to do it now. I know, I know most of you are going to vote. I do. I know that all of you should. Let me let me tell you some numbers here. Two million people. Two million people have died in wars in order for you to vote. I know it doesn't sound very much, but it is. Two million people between the Civil War, the First World War, the Second World War, the next the American Revolution, two million people have died for your ability to vote. If that doesn't bring you to vote, I don't know what will. It's not a right to vote. It's a privilege to vote. Take advantage of the privilege. You have questions? Go find out the answers. You don't like the way things are running? Go find out the answers. Go find out what the answers are. So you can go vote. Because at the end of the day, this is the best thing that you can do as an American. You can go tomorrow to your, to your polling place. And if you don't know where that is, that's easily found. If you can't make it to your polling place, go to another polling place and ask for a ballot. They will give it to you. They have to. They have to give it to you. I'm not joking here. They have to. So please, go vote. Voting is such a liberty that we some people take for granted. And it's something we absolutely shouldn't be doing. Okay. So 
I'll again talk about this at the five-minute mark. But let's talk a little bit of college football here. So we talked about Seth's Maryland disgrace, and we talked a little bit about Syracuse's uh, greatness over the last couple of weeks. Let me tell you how special this is to Syracuse fans. We have not had a ranked team, I think I told you, in the top 15 since 2001. We have not had a ranked team since 2001. We have not gone to a top five ball game since that time either. It's an unbelievable team in that they play as a team, not necessarily as individuals. We have two quarterbacks. They don't fight for, for reps at all. Dungy and DeVito are incredible. I use this term, I, I really don't like using the term incredible or absolutely fantastic or whatnot, superlatives. This is a story that if you ask any Syracuse fan at the beginning of the season, we take 7-2, and two, we take 7-5, and five, but we have a chance to go a lot further. Okay, so let's move on a little bit to baseball. Baseball, the free agency is coming up. I wanted Seth's opinion on this. We talked about free agency a little bit, and the ballot for the Veterans Committee, which is not really called the Veterans Committee anymore. It's called the Today Game Today Game Era Ballot. And these are the nominees. Harold Baines, Albert Bell, Joe Carter, Will Clark, Oral Hershiser, Davey Johnson, Charlie Manuel, Lou Pinella, Lee Smith, and George, the boss, Steinbrenner. How many of these guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? How many? How many do you think? Call me. Call me. 760-283-0846. I'm going to give you my thing here. My opinion. Harold Baines? Nope. 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 First of all, couldn't field the ground ball. Second of all, wasn't a D was a DH long numbers but definitely not peak numbers. Albert Bell, peak numbers but no longevity. One of the amazing players during his time. 50 doubles, 50 homers one year, but cork bat, not really sure. Will Clark, again, just he could have been the best. He was the best in the game for like two years, not enough longevity. Oral Hershiser, nope, nope, nope. Again, not enough longevity. Joe Carter, well, the wrong type of longevity. Homers and RBIs, well, in today's baseball, nobody cares about either one of those. We want on-base percentage, and we want OBP, and these things Joe Carr does not have. Lee Smith. Lee Smith's an interesting one because Lee Smith, before the Mariano Rivera's and the Trevor Hoffman's, would have gone in easily. He was doing very well on the BBWAA ballot before those guys, and now we have Sandra to Mariano Rivera. Would it not be ironic for Lee Smith to go in with Mariano Rivera? Lee Smith was one of the was one of the best relievers in baseball for a very long period of time. And it wasn't just the two out or three out. He was going four, five, six. He was out of the Rich Gossage mode. I think he deserves to be in there. I do. He was one of the best. And it would be awesome if he went in with Mariano. Davey Johnson. Look, impact, absolutely. 
positive impact on every team he ever was on. Won a championship with my Mets. Still not a Hall of Famer. Lou Pinella, again, not a Hall of Famer. Nope, 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 nope. One championship with the Reds in 1990, just not a Hall of Famer. Charlie Manuel, yep, again, a ring, not a Hall of Famer. A ring doesn't get you a Hall of Famer, into the Hall of Famer. And here we go, George Steinbrenner. Is George Steinbrenner a Hall of Famer? We'll talk about this more in the upcoming weeks because the election for this takes place at the winter meetings. Seth, I believe George Steinbrenner is a Hall of Famer. What I are your too. thoughts? I agree. Um, he is a like it or hate it. And even as a Yankee fan, there was always a very mixed feeling in regards to him. Um, he was certainly one of the more influential owners of all time, to say the least. And from an impact standpoint, I, I don't. I can't think of too many for more from a baseball perspective who had bigger ones. Um, I... No, I, I came in on the Lee Smith argument, and I'll be honest, I hadn't really given it much thought. Uh, but Steinbrenner, I think Steinbrenner. Will get, I think Steinbrenner. Will, if you're going to start, if you're talking about influential from an owner perspective, I don't know how he's not in. He's how he's not near the top of the list. Okay, so here's what here, here's the deal with this committee. So I believe this committee is made up of players. Um, and and owners and managers. And the only issue that I'm going to have with this is the same, look, I believe he should get in. And you said you don't see any reason why he won't. Well, I think the reason is the same reason that Marvin Miller's not in. There's politics that go on with him, right? And people didn't Fair. like Miller much. And there were people that just did not like Steinbrenner. Look, I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. I hated George Steinbrenner. Hated him. But the reason I hated him is the reason that he deserves to be in. I hated the man because he did everything, everything to win. Free agency is only free agency because of George Steinbrenner. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind that free agency would not be where it is if not for George Steinbrenner. The the Yankees... Lore is only there again because of George Steinbrenner. There's reason why he should be in the same other than absolute BS politics. But I do think that keeps him all of it, unfortunately. Okay, at least at least in the first year, maybe maybe in a couple of years, but I think this year. Okay, so Seth, we're 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 starting. We're at the bottom of the ha- bottom of the hour. Which conference would you like to go to first? Let's start. Let's start with your boys. Let's, let's go. We'll go ACC. Oh, you mean the boy? You mean the conference where you should be? That conference? Yes. Yes, yeah, the conference where okay. we should be. All right. Fair enough. So, looking at the ACC, you got the cream of the crop, right? You got UNC. You got Duke, you got Virginia, you got the top three, and then you got a bunch of other teams that are in there, including Syracuse. So, if I'm going to pick, there are going to be seven or eight ACC. Always are. 
And those four are definitely in there, along with probably Pitt. Well, Pitt had a horrible year last year, but I think that that's going to come Wasn't Pitt like 1-15 last year? Yup, and Jeff Capel has recruited amazingly for that team this year. They got they got two top twenty two top fifties, I believe. I'm gonna call Pitt in the in in the in the tournament. I'm gonna make the, the pick. Oh, good a pit in God. The tournament. Good God, no. ACC, <laughs> everybody has two top fifties. Pretty much leaving nothing for anybody else. Um. <laughs> Yeah, but I agree you're looking ladies and gentlemen. for. What? You're, you said, ladies and gentlemen, I waited for the next line. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is where Seth and I obviously disagree. Yeah, I mean, look, I agree you have Duke with, your, with the ridiculous uh, top, you know, number one, number two, number three recruits in the country will be right up there. Although they're so young this year that even for Duke, it's maybe a bit difficult. Um, Virginia, you know, DeAndre Key comes back. You know, it, it's hard to gauge Virginia because, you know, it's like gauging the Washington Capitals before two years ago. It's like gauging the San Jose Sharks or the Dodgers. I got to see a run. You know, they're, it's like Villanova before Villanova three years ago, although they've been to the Final Four once. Um they're, you know, you can only go, you're, they're 32 and 2. They're 30 and 4. They're 30, you know, 28 and 6. You lost the UMBC by 20. What, you know, in the first round of the tournament. What can I say? You know, North Carolina oh. got not, finally got big time recruits with not as little to share. But they're Carolina. They're, they're not as good as Duke. They're not as good as Virginia. But they're, they're solid. You know, three of the Syracuse. Makes you wonder where they would be if Baisley uh, was not interning for New Balance or playing for Seton Hall right now. I will tell you the team would be worse with Baisley than it will be today. Would be worse. Because if Baisley comes, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Battle comes back. I'm not sure you get one or – I just don't think that the team's the same. I think that they are – they will be – they're going to be better – than they would be without Baisley. That's just a prediction on my part because we didn't think that Battle was coming back to begin with. So Brown the fact that he did makes it better. Okay, so let's go to the SEC. Maybe you'll agree with some of these a little bit more. I'll go with okay. Kentucky. Kentucky number one. Yes. Yeah. Tennessee number two. Okay. Auburn, number three. Way to go out on a limb on me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, look, I went out on a limb. Look, I went out on a limb with Pittsburgh, and, and, and Virginia is actually in my final four. So I think I'm going out on pretty much a limb here. Mississippi State, number four, LSU, five, and Alabama, six. Those six teams make it into the tournament. All right, I think you forgot one big one, and that would be the university down in Gainesville. Um, nope. Kentucky and Tennessee. You don't think – okay. Um, 
Kentucky is Kentucky. Although they have a bit of a weird team this year because they actually have some players, they have some players who played college ball before, which is interesting. Not every single player went pro last year. Um, the big news with Kentucky is they have a senior, and he's really good. He's a transfer from Stanford. Uh, Retracted. You're surprised I knew and that. I am surprised you knew that. Um, it's like me knowing hockey. But, uh, except you know college basketball a lot better than I know hockey. Um, yeah. Kentucky is going to be very, very good. I know that's shocking. Tennessee brings back everybody from a sweep, from a uh, top 10 team last year. Grant Williams, who was the SEC Player of the Year. Admiral Schofield. You know, Rick Barnes is for as much in mind as he was in Texas. <laughs> getting a lot of getting them rejuvenated out in uh, out in Knoxville, and Bruce Pearl until inevitably something goes wrong with the NCAA violations, has done has really rejuvenated a, a college basketball team that nobody cared about since the Chris Morris days. So you know they lose they do lose Mustafa Heron to transfers to St. John's, but they're but they're you're talking three top 20 teams. LSU has Trevon Wafers. Uh, Wafer, excuse me. Florida's going to be decent because Mike White's a solid coach. You know, SEC, the SEC is no longer a joke when it comes to college basketball. No, ladies and gentlemen, that's the Big Ten. Get to that in a second. Okay, so. Whoa. Okay, so Big Ten. I got Michigan number one. National runners up. I think that they'll be all right going number one. Michigan State number two. Nebraska number three. Indiana number four. Because I love Romeo Langford. I've actually watched tape on this guy. I like him. He's a he's a he's a Syracuse guy. He's he's long and lanky. I like that. Uh, Wisconsin, number five. Maryland, number six. Minnesota, seven. As far as I'm going. How'd I do? Fair enough. I I agree with you on practically none. But it's kind of like the reality is also you really have Michigan and Michigan State, and then you have everybody else. And there's a confluence of teams that can go between three and eight. Uh, yeah, my Terps are right there, who I like this year, but I always seem to like an overrate. But they're a top ten class coming in. Uh, five new five players coming in this year. All of them, I think, top one hundred. Uh, they have Anthony Cowan, who's probably a dark horse player of the year in the Big Ten, and they have Bruno Fernando, who would have been who's going to be a top five pick next year. Um, Michigan State. It still has Cassius Winston, still has Nick Ward. They'll be fine. Michigan, runners-up, Charles Matthews comes back, but they lose a lot. Um, they're still the second-best team. Wisconsin takes a jump back after a really strange year. Um, they're never like that. Ethan Happ has been there for he, – he's like Jeff Settles. He's been there for 26 years, it feels like. I guess that's what being a senior is in college ball. Uh, Nebraska, Tim Miles has to win this year. This team should be good enough to make the tournament. Minnesota's a disaster. I mean, Minnesota's kind of a disaster. Patino, I think, is going to be on the hot seat from the outset. 
Um, it's a mediocre conference. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't say anything more than that. They're, they're mediocre. Um, they are not the Pac-10 mediocre, but mediocre nonetheless. Okay. I mean, look, yeah, I, I mean, they're mediocre. That, that's all I can say is that they're mediocre. Okay. Yeah. So going to the Big 12, so it's Kansas and then everybody else. But let's talk about everybody else. So Kansas, oh. I have number one. Kansas, go ahead. No, Kansas is number one, but the problem is, you know, we 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 we've been waiting for the big shoe to drop, proverbially, with this with the uh, violations, and it looks like the big the big team that's going to get hit is Kansas. Because if, if they find out I'm the not, big self, the big self, the Bill self did know about this stuff, did know about these things, it was contributory. I don't know how they play, how this plays out. Kansas is a national championship caliber team. I just, but Silvio D'Souza is now suspended indefinitely. I don't know what to make out of, out of Kansas yet. Not from a player standpoint. You have the transfers, the Lawson brothers transfer from Memphis. You have Charlie Moore. You have Quentin Grimes. You have a, you know, you have Uzabuke in the middle. You're slammed talent-wise. But. I don't know how this plays out with Bill Self. And I like Bill Self. Ladies ladies and gentlemen, the one thing that Seth did not mean to do was say the other shoe, meaning literally. That's why I said proverbially. I said the proverbial other shoe. That's why I meant. Oh, okay. Pun pun, pun intended. Well, I will tell you flat out, I don't have Kansas in my final four. At all. I think by the end of the year, you're going to get a lot of what you just talked about, and there's going to be a lot of distraction. And you're going to have players pulled out, self pulling himself out. Again, no pun intended. Out at some point for a game or two while this ball goes on. And I don't make or I have them going out pretty early. The state, number two. West Virginia, number three. Texas, number four, TCU, number five, Texas Tech, number six. Everybody else is just bad. <laughs> not sure. Am I off Kansas here? State is getting – I mean, I don't know if you're off or not. Kansas State is getting a lot of love. And, yes, they did make the final eight last year. Remember, they were an eight seed. Now, to be fair, they were an eight seed who was missing their best player in Dean Wade came back, and Bobby Brown came back. They're a talented team, but Bruce Weber has never really done well for getting the 2004 Illinois team with talented teams, with expectations, I should say. He's been more of a grinder-esque type. I don't know if they're going to live up to the number two overall. I like West Virginia just because Bob Huggins can coach around anybody. Um, You know, Carter is who was there for 30 years is gone, but their center, I, I, I forget I forget the name Karate Kamonte, who blocks like 87 shots a game, will be a monster in the middle. Jamie Dixon's done a nice job at TCU, but in Texas, hopefully Andrew Jones can come back. You know, having faith, I think it was leukemia last year, um, but that's just, that just has to make a run. 
Chaka Smart was paid a lot of money to build this team up after Rick Barnes. And Rick Barnes, to be honest, has done a better job at Tennessee than Chaka Smart has at Texas. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's move let's move on to the Pac ten, Pac twelve. Uh Oregon at number one, led by the best name in basketball in Bowl Bowl. UCLA, I know you're you're a firm believer that Steve Steve Alford's the best coach in the NCAA, the same way that Joe Flacco is the best quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> They come in at, at number two for me. Uh, they got a bunch of uh, pretty good sophomores, and they don't have LeVar Ball at all. And I think that's addition by subtraction. Um, they have I have the Huskies of Washington, number three, Mike Hopkins, hopefully my future coach, although I doubt it, um, is, is doing fantastic stuff over there in Washington. He has a lot of big recruits this year. USC number four, Colorado number five, ASU number six, and Arizona with Sean Miller nowhere in the tournament. Now, do you think those six teams are going to make the tournament or those just your top six? Those are my top six. I think those are the ones that have a shot at the tournament. Um, I don't think – yeah, uh, those are the ones I think have a shot at the tournament. They may not all make it. I no, they won't. The Pac-10 is not going to make. Pac-10 is awful, and they have been for years. Um, what, Oregon should be number one. I agree. I mean, what a wonderful job Dan Alden's done up there. Uh, yes, you brought in Ball Ball and you brought in Lewis King. Um, UCLA will be okay. As you said, they have a lot of young talent. Um, it's kind of a nothing conference right now, to be honest. USC loses the Anthony Mellon. Um, Arizona Arizona State should be, you know, Bob Hurley did a nice job last year getting into the first four. But it's not a conference I look at. You know, I, I don't know what to make out of Arizona, I'll be honest. Um, I don't know if Miller is going to make the season. I wouldn't write them off quite that quickly, although they obviously have no recruits coming in. But there are two or three tournament team and nothing really big out of more than further than that. Okay, so moving on to the Big East. Villanova's number one. We both agree? Yep. Okay. Got Villanova number one. Marquette number two, who I actually have in the final four. So Steve Wojcikowski in the final four this year. Number two. Providence, number three, and that's all they're getting in the tournament. Number four is St. John's. Number five is Butler. But I like no Butler, John. no St. John's, no Xavier. Nope, definitely no Xavier. I had Xavier seventh behind Georgetown, actually. Um, but I maybe St. John's. St. John's, I like with the with the transfer that they got from Auburn. I think his name is uh, Heron. Yeah, Heron. Yeah. Right? And Shamari, Shamari Pond, who also seems like he's been there forever, um, is going to be a top ten pick in the, NCAA, in the NBA draft next year. Like, he's a stud. 
he comes to play every night. So if if I'm going to go a four, it's going to be one being Villanova, two being Marquette, and going to the Final Four again. Providence, number three. St. John's, number four. Butler hanging on around number five. No Xavier. I'll be honest. I don't know a hell of a lot about Marquette this year. Um, you've watched more, obviously, than I have. Um, Nova's won. I have St. John's. At, no, I don't have St. John's at two. I, I, who am I kidding? Um, and then kind of everybody, you know, to me, there's just that whole mess of Xavier, Butler, St. John's. Providence should be pretty good. I probably have them too. Um, hopefully, they can finally win a win a tournament game. I think I think they've lost a few in a row. Um, and then it's just kind of a mess in that third spot. But tell me about Marquette. I know very little. I I, I did not see them as a Final Four team. So give give me some love here. <laughs> well, Marquette scores like crazy. Okay, so they got I know guys that. that are really great, right? So what they did last year, and this is what I've been reading a lot about, is that they brought in some defensive help. So, the, so Wojciechowski decided, all right, I need guys to play defense, and brought is he, in two is defensive Is he still eligible? Is, is no, Wojo still eligible? Two, uh, nope. But he brought in two transfers in Joseph Chartoni and Ed Morrow. And I don't know where those chances are from, quite frankly. Okay. He brought them in. And – um I think that they're going to make the final four. I, I got them in, in the spot. You're going to be uh, you're going to be kind of surprised with the last two as well. So those are those are my final four picks for uh, at least two of them. Who is going to be the freshman of the year for you? Cam Reddish. All right, I'm going to take Bull Bull, just because I love the name. He's going to name Bull Bull. I just, I just want to say his name over and over again. Yes, Bobo. Uh, what conferences are we missing? We're missing the AAC, right? Which is Cincy, St. Joe's, Temple. I mean, you're pretty much looking at Cincy, I'm assuming. Just one, huh? Probably just one. You're, lo- you're looking Am at, looking at WCC? West. But you're looking at Gonzaga, you're looking probably at St. Mary's. Okay. So give me uh, four teams in the final four. Kentucky, Tennessee, Villanova, and Gonzaga. Wow, somebody really going out on a stretch. I mean, Tennessee's out there a little bit, but overall, okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, I decided to go a little bit outside the box this year. Would you prefer, if I change Tennessee, I'll throw in Nevada, if you prefer that. Wait, you're going to change Tennessee? You're going to change the the one that that may not be a number one seed. You're going to change for a dark horse. All right, so – you just actually took my third Final Four, which was Nevada. So I have Virginia, okay. I'll stick with Virginia, Go. Gonzaga, Nevada, Marquette. How you yeah, like that? that? CBS, would, CBS would be crying 
at the, at the ratings for that for that Final Four? Well, I think it would be an awesome game to see Virginia play Marquette. Like, that would be a great game. You'd have the best offense in basketball versus the best defense. So you'd probably get like a 60-60 to 60 score. <laughs> Neither team could play. Okay. So who's your dark horse to, to make the Final Four? Uh, Tennessee is not a dark horse, my friend. No. Dark horse to make the Final Four is Maryland. Okay. And my dark horse is Syracuse, but I don't necessarily think a 13 seed is a dark horse. I said I don't think they're a dark horse. If I said that in football, they would be. But um, look, I have my I have my hotel reservation for Minneapolis already, so hopefully Syracuse does something. Where do you think Maryland eventually? If you had to tell me today, because I don't believe the Final Four team. Where do you think? You faded out a second. You asked me where Maryland, where I think Maryland ends up. Yes. I'll lose in the second round. Okay. I think Syracuse will lose in the Elite Eight. I don't think that they will make the Final Four. I think they'll lose one game before that, which is one better game than they did last year in the Sweet 16, which doesn't exactly help me with my tickets in Minneapolis. But I'll take what I can get. Oh. All right. So, right Five minutes, six minutes. So, uh, oh, sorry, you faded out again. Me? Yes, you go. Six minutes, go. Sorry. A very sad uh, goodbye to one of the greatest power hitters of his generation. Never got the publicity he probably should have due to his teammate Willie Mays. But Willie McCovey died this past week at age 80. You know, one of the rare players, I mean, I guess not rare in that generation, played his entire uh, career with one team. You know, when he retired no, he in 1980, I think. I thought he did. I thought he played his entire career with the Giants. No, he went from the Giants to the – he went to the Giants to the Athletics to the – he spent it all in the same state to the Padres and back to the Giants. Oh, wow, I butchered that one. Sorry, this is what happens when you're swerving through traffic. Um, regardless, one of the great power hitters of the 60s and 70s. And beloved in San Francisco. Kind of famous for being, for uh, sadly, well, not as a Yankee fan, for hitting the last out in the 1962 World Series in a one nothing game in the bottom of the ninth. The two out, two out. He hit a line drive right at the second, right at, I believe, Tommy Tresh. Um, but an all-time great and will be missed out on the bay. So 521 homers for Willie McCovey. Yep. Why do I know that? I because fourth, that's the exact same. I think, he, I think he was fourth when he retired. Fourth all-time. Could be wrong, though. Tied with Teddy he Ball might have been. I think... Yeah, he's tied with Teddy Ballgame. That's why I know it's 521. He, when he retired, I believe you had one was one was Aaron, two was Ruth, three was Mays, four was Robinson, five was Killebrew, and six was McCovey. 
You know what's amazing, ladies and gentlemen? Ted Williams. You know what's amazing, ladies and gentlemen? And and I think about this a lot when I when I look at stats in baseball. And I'll get to my last four minutes in a second. Is that when Seth and I grew up, that top five was there from the time that we were born, the time that Barry Bonds broke through. No joke. So 1976 to to whenever Barry Bonds broke 573, which was Killebrew. It was the exact same. Now if you look at it, that's been beaten by so many people like Jim Tomey, Albert Pujols has 600, Alex Rodriguez has 600. It was nice for 10 years to have the same top five. We never had to worry about it. But here we are with the explosion of offense. And that's the one thing that bothers me with football and with basketball these days is that there is no defense play. Everything's offense. And I'm not exactly sure. Look, I think that the, that NBC or Fox or CBS, whoever has the, the championship game, will love a 50-48 to 48 game between the Rams and the Saints or the, the, the Patriots and the, the Chiefs. But, Seth, i got to tell you, I won't. I don't think that's football. I think that's techno ball. I think that's awful. That's running up stats. And I, I really don't enjoy watching those types of games. I don't enjoy watching the Jets and the, and the Dolphins either, where it's just no offense. But I like a middle ground. I re- remember when the, when the Bills were the top offense in football in the run in, sh- in the, uh, the K-Gun for so long. They weren't putting up 50 points. They were putting up 30 points, and that was a lot. And then you had the run and shoot with Herman Moore and Brett Perryman and Scott uh, Mitchell and Barry Sanders, and they were putting up 35. That was a lot of offense. I don't like 50 to 48 games. I don't think I ever will like 50 to 48 games, and I hope that the defense – look, Marcus Peters, show up, please, because seeing Malcolm Michael Thomas go for 211 yards is ridiculous. Okay, we have one minute to go. Seth, when you were gone, I did say one thing to the to the uh, to the audience, and I believe my heart of far away. You didn't at 4:30, election day. That means get out and vote. You don't like the way things are going in the world? Don't just sit there. Get out and vote. Two million Americans have died over the course of wars, so you have the right to do what you get to do tomorrow. It's not. It's a privilege. It's not a right. Get your butt out and vote and make a change for the better. Okay, next week we'll be on same time, same channel, 760-283-0846 next week. And, uh, again, get out and vote, Election Day tomorrow, 2018. Seth Kamen, Sean Palmer, Blog Talk Radio. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one, everybody.